Blog Talk Radio. Black Politics Today. An eye for what's at stake in global politics and your source for the social, economic, and political impact of public policy on the African American community. Your host, Kelly Michael Williams, is a political strategy veteran with an undefeated campaign record and the political experience that spans nearly three decades from Mayor Willie Brown in California to President Barack Obama in our nation's capital. So get ready for a fresh and honest approach on the politics that affect you and your family the most. Now, your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Michael Williams. Very rarely do I ever allow a 
song to play all the way through. But uh, tonight, I felt it apropos that we do that, given that we are celebrating uh, the life, the death, and the progress, the work, the commitment of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Before I get started with my show, as I do with every show, I always pause and thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for just allowing me to host this show, for being able to have this platform, and to have you as my listeners tune in each and every week to hear, learn, and understand what's at stake in global politics and understanding what the impact is socially, economically, and politically. So as I uh, uh, look back and I just go over the, the course of the day, uh, whether or not we were, you know, going to get out here tonight and, and, and set up and do things. I just felt uh, compelled, ready, and, and motivated to make sure that uh, uh, we did something. And tonight I said, I'm going to let the song play all the way out because I felt that tonight and tonight's show was, uh, uh, it, it was needed. It was necessary, uh, given all that we're going through in this country, given all that we've had to face, given all that we are up against uh, across this nation and, and the things that we're going to be impacted by. So I said, let's play it out. Let's do it. And uh, I said, it, it's going to happen. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, I thank God for for the platform. I thank God for um, the opportunity to host the show because uh, I think it's necessary for us to have these discussions and these talks to really involve and, and engage individuals to to understand exactly what's at stake for African-Americans, particularly uh, but what's at stake for America? What's at stake for all of us? So if you want to join the conversation, you can give us a call at 516-590-0143. 516-590-0143. Uh, you can also uh, uh, join us on uh, uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Black Politics Today. Uh, for those of you who may be calling in or listening to us on blackpoliticstoday.com, uh, you can join us directly on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Black Politics Today. Excuse me, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Black Politics Today. Um, it's been an interesting day, um, very interesting. And as, I, as, I, as we look into day 32, into this Trump shutdown, and the cost to the American people of more than $6 billion, more than the, the $5 billion that this joker was asking for, for this wall that he wanted to build. You have to ask yourself, what is this shutdown really about? Because the truth of the matter is this. If this was a national emergency, a crisis, even the humanitarian emergency, which it really is, that uh, this test tube baby has been talking about, why hasn't he done anything? Why has he been sitting his butt up in the White House tweeting out saying, I'm all alone and the Democrats won't come back? You're the president of the United States. You're the most powerful man in the world, unfortunately, and you can do anything you darn well please with the stroke of a pen or picking up the phone and calling your, you know, baby test to Mitch McConnell and saying, hey, take a vote. I'll go ahead and vote for it and we'll do this and we'll do that. And it can be done. But no. You don't do that. Why? Because of a promise. I made a promise. Now, for those of you who know, who've watched, who've listened, who've followed this individual for just the last three years, you know that he doesn't keep any promises. You know that he lies every time he opens his mouth. 
So to shut down the federal government, to harm more than a million people, 800 federal workers, but don't forget the contractors, don't forget, you know, people who work and do uh, uh, work with the, the federal government and are, and are and are contracting with them uh, and now won't get paid, won't get back paid. Their contracts have basically been, you know, absolved because of um, the, the there's no budget being signed. All these things have happened. And this dude is destroying lives, sitting up, you know, in our house and basically telling people, well, you know, I'm not going to do anything until you give me $5 billion to build my wall, a wall that you promised us Mexico is going to pay for. I guarantee it. Mexico is going to pay for it. I guarantee it. Mexico is going to pay for it. Knowing darn well Mexico would never pay for it, nor could you force them to pay for it, nor could you reappropriate any other money for them to pay for it. Because you got to go through Congress for that. Even now, if you were to declare an emergency, the money that you want to reappropriate from the military has to be approved. So even if you did that, what you could do, what you said you were going to do, but you didn't do it, still has to be done. And you haven't done it. So you make a campaign promise that Mexico is going to pay for something. And since now we realize, although many of us realized it at the time you said it, I even said it on my show uh, two, three years ago when this was going on, and my, one of my guests tonight said, oh, no, he's going to make Mexico pay for it. And we're going to talk about that tonight, too. I'm going to ask him about that because he made a comment. He said fervently that Mexico is going to pay for it. He's going to do it. He'll make them pay for it. And I told him they're a sovereign nation. They, he cannot do that. But even with that, even with that, let's say that he gets the money. Let's say that he gets his $5 billion. There will be no change on our southern, our northern, our eastern, or our western borders, even if he got the money today. Why? Because he has no plan. There's no contractor. There's no design. There's no version of the walls. There's no actual cost for the wall. There is nothing that's going to stop anyone from coming across the border tomorrow or the next day or next week or the next month or for the next year, even if he gets his money. Because you have to determine which wall it's going to be. You have to put out an RFP and they have to vote. I mean, they, the contractors have to bid on it. Then they have to go through all the process of the federal government of getting, allocating, and determining everything's going to happen, the wall still wouldn't be built for at least another two years, maybe three years, and this sucker would be out of office by then. And we are holding up and harming millions of people because of this fool's idea that I need a wall to protect our, our nation, protect our borders, and it's a crisis, it's an emergency, and yet... He has done nothing about it. Regular people are suffering. Regular people are in harm's way, medically, physically, emotionally, psychologically, and financially. And this fool is saying he wants to protect us, and yet the very people that are charged to protect us from the Coast Guard to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, to TSA, these individuals are furloughed 
and not working or working and not getting paid. And this is how he determines how we should be protected. So the question is, WWMLKD, what would Martin Luther King do on this day, his day, if it were he who was in charge? My guest tonight to discuss who would be more effective for the American people is Washington, D.C., District of Columbia, uh, ANC Commissioner Greg Stewart, uh, one of our fervent Trump supporters. Uh, also, we have joining us Pastor Marquez Ball. He's the pastor of Uplift Church and a board member, local board member of the National Action Network. And Dr. O, Omekongo Dabinga, Dr. O, as we like to call him. He's an author, rapper, motivational speaker, and professor from American University. I want you to join me, please tonight and welcoming all my guests to the show. Welcome to the show, fellas. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Pastor Ball, welcome to the yep, show. Glad to be on. Thank you. And uh, this is Pastor's first time on the show, so I certainly want to thank you for joining us t- tonight on, on uh, such short notice and, and getting into this. But uh, let, let me start with my good friend, Gregory, because, you know, two years ago when I had Greg on the show and we were discussing this and we were talking about it during the campaign, Greg, you told me that Trump was going to get Mexico to pay for the wall. And I told you there was no way, blinkety blank, that Trump was going to get anybody to pay for that wall and it's going to come back on the American people. And you said, oh, no, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. So, Gregory, what happened? Oh, as far as getting to pay for the wall? Yeah, as far as getting paid for the wall, exactly. Okay. Well, I think that it was like a couple years ago, like on the campaign trail, um, he did describe fully how he was going to get Mexico to pay for the wall. And it was through remittances and some other cash payments that the United States sends to Mexico. He was just going to reduce that. The object isn't to break Mexico into a failed state. To have Mexico pay $5 billion would break them into a failed state and create a worse situation. The idea is to slowly sort of like a bill payment, you don't pay, you're buying a house, you don't pay the whole half million up front, you make it an installment payment. That was always the intention. And he did say that on the campaign trail. So Gregory, we recently Gregory, just gave, Gregory. We, we just gave $10 billion in foreign aid to all those South American countries, including $10 billion directly to Mexico. We could have just sent $5 million, $5 billion instead of the $10 billion, and the wall would be paid for. We, okay, we so why didn't he do that? There's nothing. So why didn't, so, so, so why didn't he do that? If that's the case, if it's that easy and that simple, why didn't he do that? Because we are not trying to break the Mexican government. That is not the intent. But wait a minute. The intent is to get the money without causing harm and destroying it. Okay, but you just said the intent was that we're going to reappropriate. We're not going to give them everything that we would normally give them. So if we had 10 and we gave them 10, you said we could have held back five. Why didn't we hold back the five? Then then we'd be paying for it and we would never have this problem. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know. On the right side, particularly for the maggot field, we're wondering, well, why didn't you just do that? Why did you allocate? It went through Congress. Why did you allocate? It was um, several billion dollars to all the Central American countries. They were going, you could have just withheld the money. They didn't. So Mitch McConnell, so, so Mitch McConnell then allowed that to go through. Uh, Paul Ryan yes. allowed that to go through. And they're Absolutely. saying, okay, so aren't they also the same ones who said we're not going to pay for a wall? Because um, they have not gotten a vote that would clearly pay for the wall. Every time they've done it, it has not paid for the wall. They won't even bring up a bill that 
is going to try to pay for the wall. That's why they passed the last bill by a voice vote. I mean, excuse me, a voice vote. They didn't even require everybody to actually go on the record. They did it by a voice vote so that they can cover and hide for the people who weren't going to vote for it. So come on now. There was never going to be a wall paid for by Mexico, and Americans were never going to pay for the wall because we knew that we're going to be wasting money that we shouldn't be wasting because there's no justification for it, and there's no way to actually then build this wall that's actually going to work to do what it's doing. Because if that was the case, Gregory, the current walls that we have, because they do have walls on the southern border, they would work. Yes, they do. Okay, if they work, well, why are there holes in them? Why are they climbing over them? And why are we still complaining about it? My question because is, where like, the, because asked, oh, clearly, oh. clearly, where the wall aren't, where there's no wall, there's border patrol. There's people standing there. There's, there's uh, technology that's there. There's all those other things that's there. So if that's the case, we could have done that. Dr. O. Talk to me. Help me understand why we're sitting here debating whether or not there should be a wall there or whether or not we should allocate $10 billion, $5 billion from Mexico so we can pay for something that we know is not going to work. Well, this is what we call the, the, the means and modes of a hustler, plain and simple. I mean, Donald Trump is an American hustler, and he played on America's fear. And part of playing on America's fear goes back to the quotation that you said on your show multiple times from Lyndon Johnson, when you can convince the poorest white man that he's better than the best colored man, he won't realize you're picking his pocket. Give him someone to look down on, and he'll empty his pockets for you. Donald Trump started his campaign by calling Mexicans rapists and gave people somebody to target. And this is why you have people in America who – and let's, let's also recognize the fact that we're not even talking about – see, Americans are so short-term thinking that all we can think about is $5 billion. We're not even thinking about the $25 billion or more that's going to be needed for maintenance because we don't think long-term financially. So all people think about, oh, here's the target, here's the people we need to go against, and therefore let's make it happen. And so Donald Trump is playing to that to the best of his ability because he knows that that's all he has to stand on. That's the only leg he has to stand on, which is why he reneged on his agreement for original border security because people in the conservatives like Ann Coulter started challenging him and calling him a fraud because he actually is a fraud. Exactly, because the truth of the matter is exactly what you said. The $25 billion, which was actually allocated and approved last, what, last year, um, by yep. the Republicans, he hasn't used any of it. It hasn't even been used or spent, which he could use that $25 billion to go ahead and build this wall, or $5 billion out of that to build this wall. But now he's holding the American people hostage for this new $5 billion that wouldn't even pay for the wall that he's talking about structuring, which is, has a total cost of about 25 to $40, 50000000000 billion. And everyone says, even the Border Patrol, it's not going to work. So, Pastor, Pastor Ball, welcome to the show. Let me ask you, you. When, you when, when you look at this and you hear this and you think about the people that you know in your congregation who are, who are federal workers who are suffering. I know at our church on Sunday, we took an offering for, for federal workers who are furloughed. But when you think about this and you look at it, how demeaning is this? And what does this say about our American, I hate to even say it, but our American president and what he does and what he thinks about the people that he's supposed to actually be leading and governing and covering and supporting? 
Um, well, there's a lot in the question. Different. Thank you uh, for this opportunity uh, to share on today, and certainly to the, to the other guests as well. Um, I think we have to think about a couple of things. Uh, this president ran on the motto of "Make America Great Again," and in D.C. the other week, uh, there were lines of federal workers for free lunches. If that's his idea of make America great again, uh, then he and I very have a very different perspective of what great means. Um, if he uh, could have withheld funds from Mexico, um, but instead he chose not to because he did not want to break Mexico, and instead he chose to break American government workers, or he chose to break Coast Guardians, <laughs> or CSA workers uh, who are forced to go to work and try to provide housing. Right. Um, right. So it, there, there is a, a struggle. There. Um, so I, I think for, for one, as Dr. O has has um, shared in a very real sense, he has convinced um, people that their enemy is on the southern border. Their enemy mm-hmm. is some um, immigrant um, who came in to maybe pick broccoli or something of that nature, or just for better lives for themselves. Their their enemy is not um, a wealthy billionaire who um, moves the jobs from the middle states to somewhere else so that they can save and help their investors. That's not the enemy. The reality is a lot of people would have voted for him and bought into the idea of we need a wall um, because they saw their dollar um, not being stretched as far as it used to be, and they did not know who to blame until he gave them someone to blame. So I think we have to begin to think about what would Dr. King do in this kind of situation. We have to remember Dr. King's um, last fighting uh, move was really for a poor people's campaign. In the very real sense right now, uh, this president is enlarging the poor people's uh, ranks solely because federal workers who had jobs are now struggling to make ends meet. He's making sure that they are poor. Not only that, when you begin to consider um, the federal contractors who will never see uh, these funds recouped. And so Congress can pass uh, legislation to make sure that government workers are repaid at some point in time. Federal uh, contractors, someone who owns a restaurant in Washington, D.C., someone who owns a daycare in Washington, D.C., who is now losing funds, will never recoup those. And so this president's idea of making Mexico pay is breaking the back of good American citizens in the process. And so I think that there is something grossly wrong um, with that, that that goes against even what one of their champions, Ronald Reagan, when he went over and said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Mm, this wall, exactly. A Republican <laughs> president encouraging to build a wall. Build. That's something grossly wrong uh, happening here. And I think it's time for other Republicans who see the issue to stop going along together. It's time for Mitch McConnell to recognize he has a responsibility in the Senate, and it's not the president's job. And so it's time for them to actually stand up and to do what they were elected to do and to open the government and stop wasting our funds on a senseless wall. One of the points, and I'll get off my little soapbox, we have to remember this. It's not walls that stop drugs from coming in because the reality is they build tunnels, and so walls aren't going to stop that. It wasn't walls that stopped terrorists from flying planes into buildings either. And so, therefore, if we're trying to stop drugs or terrorists, walls have never been a solution for either of them. Exactly. So, Gregory, let me, let me, let me, let me come back to you, Gregory, on that because uh, – 
Pastor makes a very good point. If 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 we didn't want to break the, the the backs of Mexico, but we prefer to break the backs of America, why would you guys continue to support that? And why would you want to put your own nation, your own fellow American, your own fellow Republican in harm's way out in rural America who cannot afford what this this shutdown? Well, I guess um, I'd have to say. Isn't there, it's like, it's like two sides to the negotiating table. Doesn't Nancy Pelosi also have a responsibility? Nancy Pelosi has passed eight bills. She has passed eight bills to open up the government. Which has been rejected. We rejected it. We are proposing a counter offer. Yes. And we are proposing a counter offer. You rejected the same bills that you had already agreed to bill. Hold it. Go ahead. Me, Go ahead. Right. Go ahead. Okay. Everything right. that you say, where you keep going back and it's like the walls work, all the other stuff. Guys, at the end okay. of the Go day, ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. five billion is such a small. It's a four trillion dollar budget. Five billion. Five billion dollars is an accounting error. It is so small and insignificant. I do not know why it's not being agreed to by the Democrats. It's like you've already agreed to this in previous years. Just sign it now and it's fine. Okay, it's wasteful. Everything that you say, if it's all safety, if everything that you say is true, it won't work, it won't do anything. And five billion is so small and insignificant in the budget, why are Democrats holding up it? Because like just give the five billion and let it be done. And everything is okay. everything will be opened again. Why won't the Democrats okay. just do that? Because I can't figure that one out. One reason is because they don't need to do it because they've already done it, first of all. Secondly, is that when the Republicans had control of both they've, houses, they've agreed to five hold billion. on, i let you talk, so you sit back and you uh-huh. listen. When you had two years of House, Senate, and the White House, you couldn't get your own Republicans to pass anything on a wall. You couldn't get your own Republicans to pass anything on anything that came from Donald Trump. The only thing you guys <laughs> did was pass these regular bills, slip them through, and, and um, by culture and, and didn't have any votes on anything and, and, and sent them right over to the White House and let them pass it. This administration, no bill has ever come out of this White House. Not one single piece of legislation has come out of this White House. Everything that's passed this, legislate, this Congress has already been in the popper, and they, they, all they did was just slip it through. We never heard anything about it, and it went over to his desk, and he signed it. He did everything. So you already had $25 billion because they agreed after the first shutdown to give you $25 billion. You could have used that. We don't need to give you another $5 billion. You already have the allocation and the money. The problem is that your own party won't support it, and they are not supporting it because the same bill that Mitch McConnell passed by a voice vote got passed by the House and came back to the Senate, and he's sitting on it. So the Democrats aren't sitting on anything, Gregory. The Republicans are. Your national, your uh, uh, majority leader won't even bring up the bill. His job is to bring up the bills that pass the House. He won't bring them up. So it's not that Nancy Pelosi isn't doing anything. She's passed bills to open up the government. Mitch McConnell is refusing to pass those bills, even bring them up for a vote to even have a, uh, to know if they're passed or not. And that is the problem. You cannot turn it back on Nancy. Nancy told him he didn't have the votes. Nancy told him we have an agreement. If you had the votes, you wouldn't have had to have the agreement with the Republicans before they left for December to go and pass the bill. They had to make an agreement before they left. They made an agreement before they left, and then Donald Trump, because of Ann Coulter, said, I'm not going to sign it. So the bill was there. It was already passed. 
You didn't have to come back to us for five billion. You had what you needed. Doctor O, help him understand because clearly he's not listening well, to me. Well, also when we talk, I, I've also heard a lot from you know him about it. Looks like we, we, we. It almost sounds like you know people talking about their favorite like sports team. You know Donald Trump don't <laughs> care about you. And, you know, so let's, let's go there. And then, and then, but even if we wanted to use that 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 word, let's also remember that there are about eight Republican congressional representatives of some sort, state representatives or whatever, who are down on the border who all disagree with the wall, and they are Republican and they all disagree with the wall. And I actually, I don't know about the rest of you all, I've actually traveled down there to see what's going on. It's like when you have conversations with people, you can't, they're, they're, the challenges that they're having are made up as it relates to the invasion, as it relates to the, the need to keep the terrorists out. I mean, if we really want to talk about a wall, if, we, if it wasn't just a racist policy, we'd be talking about walling the entire uh, United States of America, which would include the northern border. Where you know where most of the terrorists come in, exactly. exactly. There you go, and exactly. most come in through flights as well, and most come in exactly. on you know on airlines. You know there was exactly. like less than six or six totals last year. So again, this is a lie. This is a hustle. This is not real. It is manufactured, and because Donald Trump knows we live in a society where people don't read, most Americans read one book a year. He's taking advantage of their ignorance at the expense of our lives. There are people who are going to die because of this shutdown, because exactly. of health issues. And that is of the tragedy coverage. of this whole so, thing. Exactly, exactly. That's they the tragedy of this whole thing. Out will are still going to work. This is inhumane. It, it's actually ridiculous because when you think about it, as Gregory said, $5 billion is an accounting error. $5 billion is what they give to some of those uh, the defense contractors and then they let it go and like, oh, oops, we made a mistake because it was 25 or, or it was, you know, 200 billion and 5 billion. Yet we made a mistake. Big deal. And that is the problem that I have with that, Gregory, is that an accounting error, but it's death to many Americans because you want to sit there and make a point by saying, I made a promise to build a wall, which you knew you couldn't build in the first place which your members of your own party knew you weren't going to be able to build in the second place. And now once you got in office, you couldn't even pass a bill to do it in the third place. And now you want to hold the American people hostage, tragically hostage, voice on $5 billion and accounting error, when all you got to do is sign and open up the government on the other issues and say, okay, let's go back to the drawing table and figure this out like every other president has done when there's been a negotiation issue or a problem or a disagreement, they've gone back to the negotiation table, but they've never held the American people hostage. The only people that hold the American people hostage is Republicans. But every such, every government shutdown we have had has all been caused by Republicans, your party, every last one of them, from Clinton, Newt Gingrich, to Obama, uh, Ted Cruz, and uh, and the Kentucky, the other Kentucky senator, um, can't even think of his name now, uh, Rand Paul. Every last one of them have come from Republicans. Why are you so gun ho about shutting the government down and affecting American lives because you can't get your way? Why is that, Gregory? Okay. Well, I guess I'll say this: where you guys keep saying the hoax and all the other stuff. Well, just this past what was it Wednesday? 
I was up at this press conference with a bunch of angel moms, and they were sitting up in there talking about the lives of their children being taken by illegal immigrants already. And they're sitting up there with the stories, with the stories of their children. They had to bury their children by people that weren't supposed to be in this country. They had the you pictures. mean like the pilot the from 9 11? No, that no, not the pilot from 9 11. These are actual angel moms. I mean, everybody keeps saying, "Well, it doesn't exist," but you have all of these people that are losing their loved ones, and it does exist. Okay, it's all right, so great. So great. It is happening. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay. Violence yeah. done by actual Americans. And I'm not going to say that right. everybody. I am not exactly. going to say to any parent that them losing their child's life is minimal. I can't okay. say that. Okay, so Gregory, I can't go look in the eyes of any parent. But Gregory, Gregory, let's let's be let's be real with that, okay? So how many immigrants have actually committed these murders that they have lost? compared to how many Americans have committed the same crime and you don't have any compassion for them. Let's be real. You're not arguing all these immigrants coming and killing these people because it's not a scalable amount to even put a scale on. But you have a scalable amount one of, of Americans. Take one out of every eight, one out of every eight days in illegal immigrants one, killing an American. That's the stat. Okay, one out okay, of every eight okay. days. Got to see that. That's the stat from last year. I don't believe it. Okay. I don't believe it. I got to see that. Okay. So, so what you're telling me then, so what you're telling me then, one one out of eight days, one every eight days, an illegal immigrant is killing an American. That's correct. Based on the numbers. Okay. So then, they had Homeland Security, Homeland Security, I'm going to give you those numbers. How many Americans and how many days is it one a day, if not 10 a day? In fact, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this one better. One every eight days, there's an illegal immigrant killing an American. One every two days, there's a white cop killing a black man every two days. So now, which one is more important? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Which one is more? Which one is more? Correct numbers. I think they were... Three unarmed black men shot and killed by cops last year versus okay. like 2,000 illegal immigrants. Are you? Gregory, are are you Gregory? Gregory, Gregory, Yo, that's just, that's just not true. Gregory, that's just, that is not true. Gregory, that is not true. Gregory, that is not true. Gregory, 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 I'm actually for the next show. I'm actually going to bring it. I'm going to bring. I'm going to start bringing link up to actual data, and it's going to come from the actual agencies that are producing this data. It's not coming from the actual agency. It's coming from Breitbart and all these other stupid crap uh, 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 news sites that you watch, listen to, and and get your information from. Three unarmed black men. Hold on. Three unarmed black men are the only people got shot and killed last year by police officers. Really? Uh, unarmed black. Really, men. Gregory? I didn't say. Really, Gregory? In, in the course, Gregory. three unarmed. That means that means other black men may have been shot, but in a shootout, if they were armed, listen to what I said. Three unarmed. I didn't say. Okay, three unarmed in a black in men. In process okay. of killing the crime. That's pastor, correct. Pastor, pastor, I, I need you. I need you to, to chime in here because clearly, Gregory has lost it. All right. Well, I, I'm not. I'm not even sure. I'm not even. I'm not even sure what he's talking about. Why he's even trying to say it. I'm, I'm let me, let me ask you. I'm, I'm going. Let I'm me ask you this question. To, I'm gonna try to help him. 
We have nowhere else I'm going to go. Okay. Well, no, All right, go ahead. Let's, let's just say I'm going to agree with you, okay? The truth is, yes, we have a problem of illegals coming, and every eight days an American loses their life because of it. And this is a crisis that must be addressed. And obviously, clearly, Republicans care about that one every eight days because this is major. That would suggest they value life in a major way. That is the case. Republicans should also care about mass shootings because we value life. I'm simply saying, obviously, if it's one every eight versus, you know, mass shootings that happen every year, gun control ought to be very, that's a no-brainer there. That's a that's low-hanging fruit. We don't even have to build a wall for that. So, obviously, what you're saying is, is a talking point that sounds good that you can tell the story of I heard these angel moms, sure. But there are countless moms from high school in Florida that would tell you that I, I would prefer that we do gun control more so than building a wall. That's just one state. So if we wanted to really look at it, part of it is, sir, I have to call you on it. If you care that much, then gun control would be a no-brainer for Republicans. That That's and let me and let me and let me add this and let me add this, uh, um, Gregory. Since we want to have the facts, I just pulled it up. Fatal fatalities: nine hundred and ninety-five people have been shot and killed by police in twenty eighteen. So you're telling me, out of nine hundred ninety-five people shot and killed by police, only three were unarmed and black. That's what you're yes. telling me. Okay. Yes. All right. So how about in nineteen? How about in two thousand and seventeen? 2017, there was 987, okay? 987 people shot and killed by police, okay? Because, see, I just did the, the search, and I put in yeah. how many I don't have the numbers for 2017. Men. I guess you have the ones Oh, you don't have but, 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 but out of 995, only three were black and unarmed, and that's what you're trying to yeah. tell me. Okay. Yeah. All right, because, see, uh, I I'm didn't trying say, to tell you. Out of those 995, right were more, okay. were more so, than black? Maybe, so my search was my search was how many unarmed black men were shot by police in 2018, and that's what I came up with 995. But you're telling me it's only three. Go do the research at 995 and see okay. if they were in fact unarmed. Yep. So, Pastor, as you were saying, if that is the <laughs> case, then you would be you would want to say because clearly gun control is one of those issues that they are not willing or able to even discuss or talk about because they're fearful of what would happen to them because they know that their whole their their, their whole you know uh, uh political careers would be over because right. of what would happen right, it, it, right. It's I, just, I think that it's just crazy I think that's absolutely um, true there. So I wanted to highlight that solely because if you cared about, in essence, human life, um, right. then you would care about it when it comes to mass murder. But uh, on the flip side, you, you opened up the show talking about what's really behind this wall. And so I'm going to kind of go back maybe a little bit to Dr. King and his value of humanity. I think the wall and even those who support the wall, there's a bigger issue. And it's not necessarily drugs and it's not necessarily um, trying to stop illegals or terrorists, part of it is absolutely demographics. And there is a fear of a demographic shift. Oh, absolutely. And they want absolutely. to stop this demographic shift because, absolutely. unfortunately, um, they're seeing um, that um, the majority of cultural white Americans are having fewer children, and so they're finding various ways 
to stop it. This is the same issue with DACA and things like that. Their concern isn't necessarily about the one uh, immigrant killed, uh, 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 one life is lost every eight days. It's about voting numbers. It's about demographics. It's about their voting district. That's the concern that caused them to say we need to build a wall to stop one particular group of people from coming in. And we're going to be very absolutely right on what they look like. You're absolutely right. I'm going to take. I'm going to take. I'm going to take. Hold on. Hold on. I'm taking a caller right now. I'm taking a pause and take a caller. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Hey, how y'all doing? We're good. Tell me what your name is and where you're calling from. Yeah, this is Naj in Atlanta. Hey, Naj, how you doing? Welcome to the show. What's your question or comment? Well, I'll just make a comment real quick and get back to it. But uh, you got to be careful with taking on bad faith arguments. Uh, there, there are people in this country now who only want to muddy the waters and take a conversation to a point to where we never come to a conclusion or try to make things that are completely uh, separate from each other somewhat analogous. So when you hear somebody, for one, when they come up with terms like angel mom, okay, most Americans die by heart attack. So do we call the, the survivors uh, family some different pet name or something? Or is it a political agenda where you're trying to create a situation to where this small-scale terrible thing is happening, but you want to create hysteria around it, so you title a, a name to the survivors, and then you create bad statistics where you say, well, once in every eight days. Okay, what does that mean, 365 days in a year? You're telling me one in eight days? No, you've basically taken the number and extrapolated and said, well, this happens once every eight days. Well, no, it doesn't, because we went through the dates that wouldn't be accurate. But uh, this is the old Mark Twain quote, there are lies, damn lies, and statistics. And if you're dealing with somebody who is using statistics in a <laughs> dishonest way, they'll come up with things like that. But, yeah, that, that was, yeah, well, like I said, I'm, I'm used to Greg doing that, before. But, but I appreciate so, that, yeah, man. Tell me your name before, again. But don't be surprised. This is Nas. Nas, right. I deal with Greg on this every time he comes on the show. And it's like, Gregory, what, what, quite frankly, what the hell are you talking about? Because what you're saying is just stupid. It makes no sense. And it's all talking points. Okay. And I tell Greg all the time, don't come on my show with talking points. But he does because all he can use is talking points. It's, it's the, it's the yeah, old, but, you know, it di- distract. You, it stops you from having a productive conversation right. you were having. Right. And it it's also muddies the watch and says, some people right. over here are good, some people over there are bad. So it right. creates a, right. a dilemma. It's, it's, so, I mean, that's the, the, the old, I appreciate it, man. It's the old, there were good people in the crowd on both sides. I got you. You're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're absolutely no, right. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate you calling. He's absolutely okay. right. Because the bottom line is okay. this. If we look at it from the standpoint of where we are in America today, what would Martin Luther King do? What would Dr. King do? Where, where would he be right now? Or where would we be right now? Because quite frankly, Dr. O, Trump does not care about America. I remember they used to say that about Obama. Obama doesn't care about America. He's a Muslim. He doesn't care about America. The reality is Trump does not care about America. Never has, never will. And, you know, well, according to the NRA, Dr. in their tweet, Dr. King will still be alive if he actually got a gun license. So we know where they're thinking <laughs> in terms of what they said today. And, you right. Know, uh, he was, he was shot by that. a sniper, but if he had a gun, he would have been able to pick him off. A good guy with a gun. A good guy with a gun. You know, and and you know, and, and truthfully and more seriously, he would be fighting against 
injustice. As he, uh, you know, how many quotations do we need to go for? You know, the time is always right to do right. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And look, let's not even, let's not forget all of the children down there who have been put in these camps at the border, which is greater than the 2,000 that was originally estimated. And, you know, this is defying a court order. I mean, these are concentration camps. And not only that, kids missing in this country. And their philosophy, as Jeff Sessions said and Trump said, if you don't want us to take your kids, don't come here. I mean, look, I'm not not the type of guy that says this is not the America that I know, because even going back to Native Americans, this country has always had a policy of separating children from their families. Let's go back to American slavery. So this is just a new version of it, and Dr. King would be on the front lines of it. I mean, this is the man who, who, who went to the, uh, the church in Birmingham and, and, and eulogized those four girls who were bombed there. So to, for people to even put his name in their mouths in any way, shape, or form to say that he will support a Republican agenda, it's a smack in the face to him, his legacy, and his entire family, and we just can't stand for it. You really can't, Pastor, because when you look at this whole idea, I mean, let's let's look at some of the things that Dr. King stood for. The one of the biggest things he went for was voting rights, and we look at right now, and it, it, it just um, it, it's it's one of those things where race is an issue for me in this case because you look at the the stripping of the the Voting Rights Act, and I think it was a 2012, 2010, 2013, somewhere around there. You had 32 states immediately go out and start uh, um, instituting these voter ID laws to restrict people and to stop people from being able to vote. And then you look at those areas, uh, those states from Texas, Florida, Pennsylvania, where they were challenged in the courts and the courts overturned those laws, stating explicitly that the purpose for the law was to racially discriminate against people of color and prevent them from voting. The courts, the federal courts, determined that those laws written by those Republican legislators, because they happen in all Republican-controlled states, or where there's a Republican uh, governor and Republican um, Senate or or, um, uh, House uh, majority, that literally wrote laws to prevent African-Americans and and Latinos from being able to vote because of not only what you talked about in terms of the demographic shift, but also to ensure that they can then control and maintain those state legislatures and be able to change laws in the state legislature so that they can then come on and gerrymandy the districts to get up into Congress and stay there for the 10 years that they've been doing. Those are the things in the areas where Dr. King was very fervently, adamantly aggressive in trying to fight and break down barriers. And now we have to go back through the same thing. You got Reverend Barber restarting the Poor People's Campaign, and we're having to go back through the same thing, and Black folks are supporting this. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Come on, Pastor. Help me out I'll let him speak, and then I'll jump in. So I, I think it's true. We do have to recognize, um, you're talking about the Supreme Court's uh, impact from 2013. Um, right. One of the challenges is that we as black people have to make sure we stay engaged. As it's often been said, that slavery didn't end. It simply evolved. 
Uh, and the truth of the matter of Jim Crow didn't end. It evolved. That's, that's right. why you got Michelle Alexander as the new Jim Crow. We're seeing these same exact policies take on different faces. And so right. um, I, I think right now, even uh, with uh, Stacey Abrams and Gillum's um, election, we began to see the impact of, of the situation in North Carolina. Um, these things are happening right now. And so as a pastor, right I think it's important that we engage with our congregations and even outside of our congregations, particularly for minorities in general, it's important that we educate people on what's right. happening, and it's important, as we um, shared in our MLK breakfast um, today, um, National Action Network, we talked about the importance of voting every year. We get right. riled up over the presidential election, and we miss the local elections that impact our state legislatures. And so I think it's important that we engage people every single year because we take a hiatus. We got happy as African Americans that, oh, we got a black president, and we put him right next to Jesus and grandmama in our mm-hmm. living room. And then we stop engaging in the political process. And while we had a black president, the Supreme Court gutted the Civil uh, the Voting Rights Act with the black president in, in, uh, right. in office. I think um, Republicans understood, and so, this, so, so I'll, I'll say for me, I uh, am working on a doctoral program at one of the leading evangelical schools, and I had issue with why would they back someone who goes morally against what they say they claim, and it boils mm-hmm. down to they want control of the Supreme Court because they right. understood well beyond this is the Supreme Court can make decisions that are lasting. We've got to begin to understand. We've got to have a long-range strategy, 20-, 30-year strategy to say how do we change things and make sure we progress as a country. That's right. Go ahead, Gregory. I'll let you have a word or two. Okay. Yeah, let me throw it in there. I want to go back to, I guess, like a couple things that, you know, really been bothering me about everything. One is the demographic issue. Or I keep hearing the country getting browner, blacker, you know, and all that stuff like that. But what I'm noticing, living here in D.C. and also in New York, Charlotte, you know, and you're starting to see Atlanta, all these major cities, is as the country's getting browner, those cities are getting whiter. It's almost like those cities are becoming white cocoons of people that support everything but don't have any black or brown people physically living in the cities next to them. That's something that I'm noticing. That's that's it for that. It's like I I still can't see as a black. So what does that have to do? What does that but what does that have to do? Hold on. What does that have to do with the voting rights and what Martin Luther King would talk about or say about us having to go back to fight for the simple right to vote? Um, go ahead, Jack. For the simple right to vote, for the voter ID, I guess like for the simple right to vote. My question would be. That's not is a question. It, it was a question to you. Okay, I'll answer in a second, but I have a question. Could you name one occupation that you can have that provides for any person to provide for a family Gregory, that does not require an identification card? Just answer the question. That does not require. Why that, just okay. answer the question? You're talking answer voting rights. I'm talking identification. The biggest one is okay, ID. So you know, you have to have what, voter ID. I'm thinking, what, why, would, why? In order why to be, do we hold it? For in the black community, 20, in the black community, we are not going to progress unless we progress economically. Since if 1965, we have never needed to have ID to vote. In fact, since okay. before then, since we voted in this country over 2,000 years, we have not had to need of ID to vote. 
Why do we need to have ID to vote now? Why? Because of the demographics, because the country is browning. The country is going more brown than white, and therefore you're you're getting more afraid of the fact that you're getting more brown people. You're getting more people that that are not legal residents of the U.S. Every no, you're getting more no brown people, and there's no more white identification people. identification card in the U.S. And if you don't have, if the black communities progress, we have to progress economically. That means we have to get better jobs that pay better income that make more money. And there's no, and there's nothing economically, no job that you can get that pays any amount of money legally that doesn't require an identification card. Not one. That's fine. If there That's is fine. one, I'm okay, listening about to working. you guys name Go one to me. Okay, but you know what, Gregory? Working is not a right. Voting is. So when if it's a right, I don't need to have ID for it. I want working, the progress of working, my community. Working is a, a, an, an option, a necessity. It's not a right. Okay? I have a right to vote. I don't need an ID for it. I don't need an ID to go file have, and say, why do you have a right, have to a vote right because you're a citizen because you're a citizen of my of the United country. States. That's right. Right. The same way now, there's the same a concern reason, that people the same that are not citizens do. are voting. Okay. It's a concern. Right. It's not an issue. Yes. It's a concern. It's not an issue. An identification card. It's a concern. It's not an issue. Well, if thirty two states put in voting um, ID laws in then this is an issue for 32 no. out of 50 states. No. That's the majority. No. no. Two-thirds no. of it the states thought it was an no. issue. No. No. Republican That's states the majority. thought it was an issue. Republican states thought it was an issue because Republicans were concerned about losing and losing the economic advantage as well as the social advantage in those states. It was not an issue because it wasn't an issue before Obama got elected. It wasn't an issue when George Bush was elected. And the same trend was happening then. Why didn't they pass those laws when Bush was in office? It was the same trend. Why didn't they pass those laws when Reagan was in office? It was the same trend. Why didn't they pass those laws when the Bush first was in office or President Clinton was in office? It didn't happen until Barack Obama was elected. Because reality hit the ass that, oh, my God, a black man could get elected by white people. And what are we going to do? That's what happened. So, so unless you can case, give me some relevant black or brown, evidence, matter. unless you can give me some relevant evidence that oh oh my God it was illegal immigration, illegal immigration has been going on for years. Ronald Reagan was president, illegal immigration was happening. Jimmy Carter was president, illegal immigration was happening. George W. Bush was uh, elected, and illegal immigration was pa- uh, going on because they tried to pass the immigration law then and they couldn't pass it. Clinton, everybody had illegal immigration rules and issues. And none of them passed voter ID laws. None of them. Dr. O, what's at stake for us? What's at stake is, is our future. You know, Dr., uh, you know, President Trump made a comment that before he got elected, you know, he said basically to his followers, this is your last chance for y'all to get somebody in office who's going to protect you. And this man is actively working to roll back everything not only President Obama did, but Dr. King has done you know, for this country. And at the end of the day, if people want to talk about President Obama never did anything for us, why are these guys fighting so hard to roll back everything that he's ever done? I mean, from fair housing, and we go to Dr. King, from fair housing, the civil rights, the voting rights, these are all being tipped away slowly, not to mention what's going on at the Supreme Court. So what's at stake is everything that we've fought for for at least the last 100 years 
And realistically, since we got to this country, it's all at stake. We are slowly being reduced into second-class citizen status. All right. Gregory, what's at stake? Um, the future of the black community. Why don't we say that? And us being basically achieving everything that we should be achieved. Basically, after slavery, we built up the black community, had wealth, had every, everybody kept saying, well, what was the great? I don't know. You look at the movies, you look at Black Harlem, U Street, we are great people. We've fallen off. We need to go back to what it was then when we did build a very strong community. That's what's this. Okay, if we have, well, if we stop having people, you know, bomb Tulsa's, then we won't have a problem. Dr. Uh, uh, Pastor Ball, what's at stake for us? Um, I'm going to say the morality, the soul of America. We are watching a president who does not care about either political party. uh, And unfortunately, we are watching people who say they care about morals remain silent while this president has Americans in line getting food, while this president has Americans possibly going without medicine over a racist, sick border wall. What's at stake is the absolute morality and the soul of America. Absolutely. I want to thank my guest tonight, uh, Pastor uh, Marquez Ball, Uplift Church, uh, Dr. Omekongo Dabinga, Dr. O, and of course, my good friend, Greg Stewart. I have to tell you, folks, what's at stake is your very life. If you don't understand that voting, the Supreme Court, those issues are vital to our nation, this government shutdown is critical to the values and the humanity of this country, we must wake up and understand that we can no longer sit around and do nothing. Uh, Cheryl Eiffel today said something that I have been saying on this show all the time. We have to vote in every election, all elections, not just the presidential election and not just in your congressional uh, election, just for your congressional member. You have to vote for every level because what happens at your local level is what goes on. I was so happy and proud to be able to, to uh, uh, interview the, the members of uh, some of the members of the eight African-Americans that were elected in uh, North Carolina. They were elected sheriffs. And if you think back during the civil rights time, the sheriffs were the ones who controlled that county and that government. And now we have black men and women in the sheriff's office who are able to control the activities and what goes on, the law enforcement, everything else that goes on in those counties and those cities. And that's where we have to start going and making sure that we are part of. Like she said, and I've said on this show a number of times, run for office, run for the dog catcher, run for the city council, run for the school board, run for the water district, run for the parks and recreations, run for those seats so that we can make sure that our values and our interests are in place. Because if you don't, you're going to get left out. Until next week, I want to thank my guests again for joining us tonight. If it's social, economic, or political, it's Black Politics Today. Thank you for listening to Black Politics Today on I for What's at Stake in Global Politics with your host, Kelly Michael Williams. Join us live each Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. Until next time, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and download us on iTunes at Black Politics Today.